Welcome to Lips on Life. I'm your host, Jessica Lips, and in this interview series, I'm talking to extraordinary people who are living their dreams. It's my hope that their stories will inspire you to live your own dreams. We're here today recording at a downtown studio in New York City, and if you hear honking horns outside, it's because there is construction and a tunnel, and so forgive the honking, but it's really fun to be on site. So let's get started. I'm honored to welcome this month's guest, Carmendy. Carmendy is a makeup artist who spent 10 years sharing tips on TLC's hit show, What Not to Wear. She has authored four best-selling beauty books, worked with supermodels from Nikki Taylor to Ashley Graham, and her artistry has been featured in magazines including Self, Glamour, and Marie Claire. The world of models, runways, and photo shoots and the role that makeup plays can, to the outsider, feel exclusive and maybe even intimidating. But Carmendy is none of this. She makes makeup easy and accessible, believes that beauty comes from within, and makes everyone, regardless of age or skin type, feel special in their own skin. It's these reasons that I'm excited to talk to her today, and I also can't wait to learn her tricks of the trade. Carmen D, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> With all of my guests, I like to start at the beginning. Okay. So where were you born? I was born in Newport Beach, California, and raised in Huntington Beach, California, in a sleepy little surf town. It was called Surf City, and I had really low-maintenance, easygoing parents, so the world of fashion was far, far away from me. It's something that I never grew up with. Really? Yeah. Was your mom into makeup at all? My mother was actually a watercolorist. She was a painter, so for years I used to watch her paint beautiful watercolor scenes of beaches and landscapes, and I was always fascinated by that. I loved the art side of it. I started playing with makeup at the age of 15. So it was something that I kind of fell into. And then the cruelest thing was that I met a guy that I went to high school with whose father was a makeup artist for a TV show. And I thought, that's a job, being a makeup artist. So I went and hung out with him and said, how do I get into this? And that's where it all began. I'm intrigued to hear you say that you didn't start playing with makeup until age 15. Were you experimenting at all beforehand? No. So my parents were, they were cool, easygoing people, but they said that I couldn't play with any makeup until the age of 12. That was the rule. The thing is, is that when I grew up, I was the overweight kid. I was teased, I was made fun of, I went through a lot of bullying. So I used art as a way of kind of escaping that. About the age of 15, my father said to me, what do you want for Christmas this year? And I said, well, Dad, I want one of those Hollywood-style makeup mirrors with the light bulbs all around it and a director's chair because I want to be a makeup artist. And my dad goes, all right. And he thought that was kind of a cool thing, so he built it for me. I started bringing over my friends and neighbors and painting their faces, and that's how it all began. Tell us a little bit about that process, what you discovered in painting other people's faces, how that made you feel. The funny thing was, I never kind of fit in, but I found that if I had a creative outlet, that made me feel really comfortable. So when I started playing with makeup with women, I was never turning them into something else. I was using my own creative freedom to play with makeup in a way of enhancing their natural beauty and connecting with them, and that's where I started to fit in. I became a beauty enabler at such a young age to help other people that it made me feel more secure, so then I didn't care what other people were saying. Was that the time when a light bulb went off? A and thousand percent. Really? thousand percent. 15 seemed to be that year that marked my path. I remember thinking, what am I gonna do with my life? I've gotta figure it out. 
at that age. Most people do that when they get out of college. When I found out from my friend's father that there's a job as a makeup artist, I went to him and I said, well, how do I get into it? And he says, what you want to do is you want to apprentice and you want to learn as much as you can. And there are agencies in Hollywood where you can sign up as an apprentice, as an assistant, and you might have to get coffee and wash brushes. But just being on set, you can see how the world works. And if you're even interested, I knew that my parents in a million years at 15 weren't going to allow me to go up and do that. So I went to the local mall. I got a job working at a makeup store at the mall. I would only work weekends because I was going to school during the week. I worked there for probably about eight months until I was fired for doing too many makeovers and not selling product. So I was having all my friends come and I was just playing with the makeup and, and kind of teaching myself how to do it. The day that I was fired, I went down the escalator, sad as could be, and there was a little storefront with balloons all around it, like a grand opening. And it was the very first glamour shots. I walked right in and I said, well, I'm a makeup artist. And at this time, I'm now 16. They hired me on the spot. And that's when I met more makeup artists and I realized, oh, well, I can take this photographer and we can do these test shoots on the weekends and I can build a portfolio. I did that for a year. So then at 17, I finally drove up to Hollywood to these agencies and I had a little portfolio to show my work. And that's when I said, I will apprentice. And I worked for free for a good solid year and a half before I got my first big break. And it was probably pretty easy for you to make that drive because Huntington is An right hour south, south of LA, yeah. right? So okay. it's the equivalent of like if you live in Jersey or Long Island and you're coming to the city to do it. So for me, it was an hour drive. And were you living at home yeah, and, of course. and traveling yeah. to get to work? What were you apprenticing on? I would do small advertising jobs and I did some newscasters and I did a few celebrities. It wasn't a huge thing. And then it wasn't until a photographer came from South Beach, Miami, because this is, you got to remember, the early 90s, and South Beach, Miami was where, like, Cindy Crawford was doing House of Style on MTV. And they came out to shoot a editorial in the desert for a swimwear catalog, and the makeup artist got sick. So the agency called me. And at this time, I'm probably about 20. And... I drove out there and I did the job and they loved it and they said, listen, we would like to hire you again if you want to come out to Miami. I said, well, absolutely, I want to go to Miami. And they said, well, we'll fly you out. We've got this catalog shoot in Key West. I flew out, what, a week later and I never looked back. And that was the beginning of my career as a makeup artist. That's incredible. Does this mean that Instead of going to college, you worked straight through. Did you ever get a degree? 1,000%, yes. My parents didn't have a lot of money. So my dad could not afford to send me to a big college. The original plan was you're going to do two years of a community college and then two years you can go to UCLA. Well, I was doing makeup and making really good money at this point. And I said, Dad, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. And he believed in me and he saw my work ethic. He saw that at 1920 I had my own first business. And he said, go for it. So you take this job in Miami yep. and you're 20. Yep. What happens next? I found that I met my tribe. Okay. And that is the first time I think, I mean, I met them also when I was working as and, and apprenticing in California, but I never felt like I was in my own skin, even in LA and Hollywood, because I wasn't somebody who loved to do 
TV celebrities or movie celebrities. I was more into wanting to help people and I wanted to do fashion and I wanted to travel. So when I moved to Miami, I always said it was like finding the land of misfit toys. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about fashion. People are intimidated by it, but at the end of the day, we all are misfits. We're all awkward and strange and we're all artists and we're all unusual and most of us didn't fit in. And we come here and we found each other. So Even the models? Even the models. Because they might have been tall and gawky and maybe made fun of. What you see is not really what goes on. Now, yeah, some of it people start drinking the Kool-Aid and, and believing the hype. But I think a lot of us really love it and we find ourselves. I found that this was my group of people. And I remember calling my mom saying, this is what I want to do. And she said, great. So I flew back, packed my little Toyota Tercel. My mom and I drove cross country and I moved into a tiny little studio apartment in Miami and got an agent and started. That was the beginning of the rest of my life. I never looked back and I still love it to this day. So you're in your 20s, you're in Miami, you get an agent. Yep. What happens? Oh my gosh, so back then it was so fantastic because we were shooting all the time, nonstop. We'd go to the beach and there'd be RVs just parked all along the sand and you know, you'd see Naomi Campbell jumping on a beach and we were doing German catalogs and commercials and rap videos. But Miami was seasonal. So you would do it for a season and then you'd have to go somewhere off season. So the first off season, I went to Milan. We had no money. We lived in like model residences and there was like three girls to a room. And I went with my boyfriend at the time who was a model and we just hustled. We were building our portfolio and every weekend we'd jump on a train and go somewhere different. And it was so much fun. The second off season, I met a stylist who said, well, you need to come to New York. And I said, yep, that's my next stop. And I came to New York for one season and I never left. That was it. I, I found my place. I got an agent right away, and I said, this is where I need to be. I loved the diversity. I loved the energy of the city. I loved that everybody here is from somewhere else, more or less. It was inspirational. And I think with my California spirit that I never let go of, with that more laid-back attitude, it was easy for me to have a tiny studio apartment. You could literally reach out and touch the wall. Like, I didn't mind. I was used to not having high expectations and going with the flow, so it was really wonderful. And now I've been here 21 years. I'm so glad that you found yourself in New York, and I'm a little bit surprised to hear you say that because one of the things that you are so well known for is TLC's show, What Not to Wear. And why did I think maybe that didn't film here? It absolutely filmed here. A friend of mine who worked as a publicist hired me to be a spokesperson for a cosmetic company. I would do television shows like Good Morning America and The Today Show and Good Day LA, and here I was doing fashion, and then I got TV savvy and media trained. So Stacy London, who was on What Not To Wear, I met doing, I think it was Mademoiselle Magazine. And we hit it off and she was the first person hired for the What Not To Wear cast. And they were looking for a makeup artist for a long time and couldn't find anyone. And she says, well, why don't you look at Carmody? She's a pro makeup artist and media train. So I walked in and nailed the job. And I was on for all 10 years and that's what changed everything. Because here was my ability to take everything that I had learned over the years as a professional makeup artist, but give it to real women who needed it. 
So it was my way of paying forward how I felt insecure and I didn't feel good about myself. Because listen, at the end of the day, you can throw mud on an 18-year-old Brazilian model. She looks gorgeous no matter what. (laughs) But here I was, I was dealing with women that just had a baby, just lost 20 pounds, just survived breast cancer. Maybe they had cystic acne. Maybe they dealt with rosacea. Maybe their husbands were abusive and they just got out of a bad relationship and they had no self-esteem. I was able to take all my knowledge and empower them and make them feel spectacular. And that to me meant more than doing any cover of any magazine and any runway show. And that is when I made a decision that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to be the real woman's makeup guru. So I told my agent, no longer will I talk about celebrities. It's all about what I can do for real women. And because of my watercolor background, I was always hired to do the most clean, beautiful makeup. So that's what I did on What Not To Wear. I didn't contour anyone. I didn't put false lashes and paint somebody into somebody they weren't. I took them and I talked to them. How do you feel? What goes on? Why do you see yourself in this negative way? How do we change that from the inside first? Then makeup is just an accessory on top of that. I find that really, really beautiful and really powerful and inspiring. Just as I said in my introduction, that's what draws me to you. And that's what's so special because you see this industry and you think of something entirely different, right? You think of fake and unattainable and you have to be born with it, right? So tell us a little bit more about how that mission, that purpose that you found, how that manifested during your years at TLC. So for the 10 years I was on, it became more and more and more important to me to get this message out. Why? What I think it was is that I would meet these women the minute that I walked in the door. So we literally had that conversation right there on camera. I would say, you know, look in the mirror and tell me what you love about yourself. The problem was is that most women couldn't tell me anything. They could only tell me what they didn't like about themselves. Now, this brought me back to how I used to feel as a young kid bullied before I even thought there was anything wrong with me. I realized that most of these problems stem from childhood. So the show made me say, you know what, I have to do more because I started writing books. And I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't go to school to write a book. How do you write a book? I'm like, you know what, I'll figure it out. I will figure it out because these women need to know that it's easy. Fashion is overwhelming and people think that they have to be, everything's airbrushed. But even if it's airbrushed, these girls are, you know, they're aliens. It's like, you know, a 0.15% of the population. You know, it's, it's not realistic. But here I am working with real women. I said, you can do this, but it's got to be from the inside. The other difference is I always saw beauty in a different way than everybody else. Most makeup artists will look at you or hairdressers or stylists and say, okay, here's what's wrong with you and here's how I'm going to fix it. Right. My eyes train to look at what's beautiful about you and then bring it out. So once that started to relate on TLC, I love doing it. And it made me write my first book, which was The Five Minute Face, which was the quick and easy and simple and basic guide to makeup. Get Positively Beautiful, which was probably one of my favorite books I ever wrote, which was How to See with Carmen Division, How to Look at Yourself Differently. The third book I did was Crazy Busy Beautiful, which is like 600 tips of just crazy tips. 
And then the last one I did, which was about two years ago, and that was Bloom, A Girl's Guide to Growing Up Gorgeous for Tweens. This was important because my philosophy is women and girls are like flowers. So there's daffodils and daisies and roses and orchids and tulips and they're so different and none of them look the same, but they're all beautiful. And I think what's happening right now, especially with Instagram and especially with social media, is you're seeing these people contouring and painting themselves into these clones of one another. And they're wearing a mask and they're, they're not celebrating uniqueness. And so what I brought to What Not To Wear and what I continue to bring out to the world is that you are uniquely beautiful and makeup should be a watercolor way to polish, not paint your beauty. Don't change who you are. I don't contour, I highlight. I carmenize. I, br I bring out what's special. And it could be five easy little products. It could be 10 products, but it's not erasing your face and painting something back on. If you just enhance who you are, you're going to feel beautiful. It's that, it's that simple. I love that. So walk us through the process. How do you get an average woman like somebody that you worked with on what not to wear who has self-doubt and doesn't necessarily see the beauty in themselves. Talk us through that process of how you get them to a place where they do feel good. Well, the first thing is I don't talk about makeup. I talk about them. Where are you from? Who are you? What goes on? And why are you sitting in front of me? So I do private consultations all the time where women from all over the country and sometimes, you know, all over the world come to see me. And there's a reason why they're there. And yes, it's of course they want to learn how to do their makeup. That's, that's easy. But there's something with all of them that I want to connect to. I want to know you as a female. What goes on? How are you feeling? When I find out that somebody has gone through something, that leaves a mark that is always going to be on the inside. So we need to talk about and open that door first before we even start with how to play up your eyelashes. So I love finding out what makes women tick inside. And I have a way of being able to really attach and see what's hurting them. And so I try to talk about that first. For me, I always thought, okay, I have this insecurity that was brought on by others, so I had to conquer it. So what I find out with women is a lot of times their insecurity is brought on by others. Sometimes it's their mother. Sometimes it's a husband. Sometimes it was their siblings or kids they went to school with. Sometimes it's their own self-doubt. So I address that first. And I, I start teaching them how to retrain their brains on how to see beauty. So I'll say, okay, look in the mirror and tell me what you love. And I will not allow a, a, a capable, amazing woman to sit down and tear herself up. I won't do it. So if you go, well, I hate my skin. I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. Start over. What do you love about yourself? Okay, well, you know what? I really like my eyelashes. Okay, well, there's something to go on. Or a high cheekbone. Because I don't find traditional, classic, perfect beauty as being the be-all, end-all. I find a strong nose interesting, a quirky smile, a crooked tooth. I think they're all beautiful and unique. So we first start off by looking at her differently. Dealing with maybe made her insecure in the first place. Then we start to party with makeup. That's when it happens. I think that the biggest problem most women face is their own insecurity. It's not society. We are society. We dictate what we want to see, hear, listen to, and feel. So you can't blame others. You got to start with yourself. You're responsible only for your own feelings. If you can't change it, change your perspective. And if you can change it, you need to get to work. And so I kind of have a no bullshit policy. You can't do that with me. You got to keep going. Does that transformation happen in the process of one session? 
But yeah. it's like you're engaging in therapist mode in a way. Yeah. That doesn't happen overnight. I right? mean, a lot of times I, I get the point across and it helps. And, and I've seen huge transformations in one session. Sometimes it goes deeper. You know, listen, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, a, I can't even pretend that I would ever right. be. But I think that opens the door to get them into a place where they want to open up their minds and hearts a little bit to work on themselves. Because listen, lots of people go through lots of stuff and you have two choices in life because you only got one. You can sit there and beat yourself up forever, be insecure, or you can change it. But it's only up to you. So hopefully, if I don't get them in one session, I open the door so they continue to do it. Mm. So you come to a place where someone has opened up and started to identify the things that they like about themselves and then you start to play. Yes. So what's that process like? When I was doing research for my very first book called The Five Minute Phase, I did a case study and I realized, and this is pretty much the basis of everything that I do, I realized through reading about scientists and experts, a woman is at her most beautiful when she's at her most fertile. What? Yes. <laughs> it's not when she looks like a celebrity or a model. She has perfect features. Doesn't matter where she's from, what ethnicity. It's when she's at her most fertile. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean, right? What does that mean? Yeah. So there's five things. Glowing skin, eyes that capture attention. She's blushing because she's, you know, in love. So her cheeks get flushed and her lips get just engorged with blood enough to where they look rosy. So I created the five minute face highlighter to bring glow to the skin, liner and mascara to capture attention on the eyes. I created the perfect blush, so she's blushing, and just a natural rosy nude lip. So that is my five-minute face technique. That works on all women, all ages, all skin tones. It doesn't matter, small eyes, big eyes, if you're 80 or 18, it restores your radiance. And is that what you do for yourself? Because yes. the thing, to anyone that's listening or watching, whenever I am around Carmendy, she just, she's just, you're glowing. Thank you. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's the five-minute face. It it's is. This, you but wear it your own five-minute face? It's makeup. Okay. So it's like two systems. So there's, there's a natural beauty skin system. So this is my routine. And I not only do it on me, I do it on everybody. It's the basics. You do either a moisturizer or primer, little foundation, you do a little concealer and powder and then the five minute face, which is the highlighter, liner, mascara, cheek lip. That's it. Now, if you want to go out, you want to do a smoky eye, you want to rock a red lip, you can do anything you want. It's just accessories after that. You got to get your basics down. And that's what I teach women. But none of this is going to matter if you don't feel good on the inside. So that's what I try to start with. How do we celebrate our uniqueness? I want to get to probably what a lot of people want to know, which is the, the secrets, your, your secrets the and your, your tips and your tricks. Mm -hmm. If somebody wakes up in the morning and they are exhausted or um, they have a hangover or yes. whatever, whatever is right. going on, um, what's the one thing that they can do makeup wise? Okay, so the first thing, believe it or not, and this sounds really super cheesy, but it absolutely works. I call it mirror mantras. I've written about it in all my books. Mirror mantras are key. So when you look in the mirror, the worst thing you can do is say, oh my God, look at these dark circles, because that's negative words, right? So you're putting negative words in your head, so all day long you're going to feel like you look terrible. So no matter how bad you feel, you've got to look in the mirror and you've got to say something positive. And I know it sounds cheesy, and if you can't think of anything, write it in lipstick on your mirror. I am beautiful today. I have a great smile. You got this. You got to do something empowering. You say it mentally because you retrain your brain. You say it enough, you will start to change yourself. Then my routine is, like I said, the, the natural beauty skin system and the five-minute phase. So 
The first thing I do is I always put on moisturizer. Moisturizer is key. Even if you have oily skin, choose the right product that's best for you. But putting moisture into your skin and, and caring for yourself is key. Also, consistency. You have to treat your beauty ritual consistently. It's like anything else. It's like going to the gym or practicing painting or dancing. You know, it takes daily practice to get good at it. So taking care of your skin, it'll look good. I usually don't wash my face in the morning, even if I feel terrible, because you've prepped it the night before. So I put on moisturizer. You do a little bit of foundation. Do something light if you like tinted moisturizer, whatever, just a little bit goes a long way. Then if you need a little concealer to brighten up under the eyes or hide you know, a pimple or an age spot, a little dusting of powder, the five minute face, and you're good to go. And if your hair sucks, put a hat on, put it in a bun, put on a killer pair of earrings. I tell women, listen, if your bags under your eyes are just so big because of the night before, put on a bright red lipstick. Nobody's gonna be looking at the bags under your eyes. I call it feature focus. Redirect the focus to something else, right? Totally. Who's gonna talk about the bags under your eyes when you're wearing the most incredible hot pink lipstick that day? <laughs> Speaking of lipstick, Maybe it's just me. I don't know if others out there relate to this, but am I the only one that has the hardest time finding the right shade of lipstick? So you know what? You're not the only one. And I actually, I do tip of the day videos on Instagram and on they're my great. Facebook. They're great. Because they're them. just fast. <laughs> yeah. Really, really fast. <laughs> tip of the day with Carmody. But listen, lipstick is difficult because, you know, unless you can try it on and wear it for a day, you don't know if it's going to really work well on you. So what I always recommend is, first of all, when I come out with my line, you don't have to worry about it because I do universal shades that work on everyone. That's my jam. I I know the colors that work on everyone. (laughs) I can't wait. But in the meantime, drugstore lip products are the way to go to try and experiment with new colors without spending a fortune. If you go out and buy a $45 Tom Ford lipstick and you're not sure about the color, that's bet on you. So what you should do if you do like a brand that's expensive, go in, have them at the department store, put it on you, wear it all day long, look outside in the mirror in the daylight, then buy it. Otherwise, go to the drugstore and experiment with shades. Once you find that perfect shade, you can then take that to a higher end store and match it. One of my tip of the days I just did is a lot of us have like four or five different colors, almost exactly the same, like in the bottom of our bag or in our makeup drawer. You can literally just chop the tops off with like a little spatula and stick it into a small jar, mix it up, and then you have the perfect shade. A day shade that's good all the time is like a rosy nude. Everyone looks good in red. You don't have to commit to a full red lipstick. You can do a a sheer lip gloss or a sheer red lip tint. You can go to Burt's Bees and get like a sheer red lip tint and then you can kind of rock a little bit of the red without fully committing to color. People can do berries in the fall, but if you do like that dark, heavy berry, it's gonna make your lips look small. So try like a light, clear, berry, sheer lipstick. So, you know, you can play around, but drugstore finds are the best. Here's the thing, and I'm gonna recommend this for most girls trying to play with color. Never go into either a Sephora or a drugstore or a department store and and choose colors in that lighting. It's artificial lighting. You need to play with color in direct daylight. So play all you want, but then go outside and look in a mirror and then decide if that's the color for you. That's why most women make mistakes because they'll buy a color that looks so good when they're in the store, but then they get outside and they're like, I look ridiculous. When I do my private consultations, I do them in daylight. 
So I have a studio with all light and I do it only in the afternoon. And that way I can see them and they can see themselves getting their makeup done in daylight. So smart. That's great. It's great advice. And when you have the right colors, then you can literally do your makeup in a dark closet and you know you're going to look good because the colors are going to work. So that you don't is. need perfect lighting once you have the right shade. Right, right. So here you are, you're talking about drugstore products. You read a lot of things in the magazines about how they say it's okay to use drugstore yes, products. Um, absolutely. Major companies have put a lot of time and research and money into creating them. What's mm -hmm. your take on that? I think it's fantastic. I mean, because I have created brands, I've been on that side of it. I mean, I learned how to manufacture products, how to curate formulas, what goes into it. You know, I've seen them pour Lancome next to L'Oreal, and sometimes it's the exact same product. It's just different shades and packaging that you're paying for. Wow. I think that drugstores got smart because they had competition. So back in the day, you couldn't get makeup brushes at drugstores, but now you can. Essence of Beauty is a fantastic line of brushes that are cruelty-free synthetics. Skin-wise, maybe you want to spend the money. Splurge save is what I always say. So splurge on things that you know are going to absolutely work, but things like trends go to the drugstore for trends. What are some of your splurge saves? What are products that you use and lines that you go to? Yeah, I've got some go-tos. Again, in my tip of the day video, somebody said, Carmi, please tell us about your skincare routine. And I'm like, here you go. So one of my favorite things in the world that my grandmother taught me was a white sugar scrub, which means you take white sugar from your kitchen, wash your face with a little cleanser and, and water, and scrub your face with sugar. You and it this? is the <laughs> best exfoliant in the world. What? In the world. You can do it on your body. Guys can do it. Like if they have ingrown hair, shaving, white sugar, little water and cleanser, white sugar scrub. How often do you do it? Right now I'm doing it about twice a week and it just gets rid of all the dead skin cells. Cause listen, you're buying brown sugar scrubs at like Bed Bath & Beyond. It's a waste of money when you have it in your kitchen for free. It doesn't hurt your face? No, because it dissipates in water. I love SkinCeuticals and SkinMedica. These are two scientifically backed skincare lines, mainly for, for skin that's a little older. A bit on the pricier side, but then again, I love things like Honey Girl at Whole Foods which is this woman who lives in Hawaii that has like a bee farm and makes organic moisturizer. Amazing. I, I mean, I think it's like 25 bucks. Do you trend towards a, a L'Oreal or a Maybelline or a CoverGirl? It's all over the map. It really is. That's why I think it's so important that I come out with a line because I find that I cherry pick a lot of different companies because nobody's getting it right 100%. And that's what I want to do. Though my goal is to make it easy. I'm fundamentally lazy. And especially at this age. And I think all women are so busy with kids and careers and school and everything else. And we are so overwhelmed with products and blogs and Instagram. Why not streamline your life and make it simple? So that's why I'm focused on creating this brand. But in the meantime, it really is a lot about trial and error. And I'm, I'm always my own guinea pig. I had a friend recently send me a skincare line. I tried it. I like two of the 20 products. So it is trial and error. A second ago, you said that drugstore brands are good for trends. Yes. So what are some of the current trends, or even better, what can we expect in the fall, and what should we be looking to? All right, so I'm going to tell you good and bad trends in my view. Okay. okay? <laughs> so the bad trend is, and I'm going to say this loud and proud and sing it to the mountaintops, the cloning that I'm seeing being done on Instagram with everybody contouring the hell out of their faces and strobing, which is carbonizing, highlighting, but they're doing it with like things that you can see from the moon. 
and structuring their faces so they all look identical, it's killing me because it's taking away individual identity. I think that it's, it's doing everybody a disservice. Makeup back in the day, I mean, we've been doing makeup for thousands of years, but it used to be to empower us for fertility rights, for dancing around in goddess circles when we were pagans. Now it's about, because I'm insecure and I wanna look like a Kardashian, so I'm gonna paint this into a clone of something else. I don't believe in that. Heavy contouring and strobing trend I think is, is not good. And the, the painted eyebrows where people are stamping on their eyebrows and just making these eyebrows look strange and, and so perfect and painted on. That's a trend I don't like. What I love is the more natural trend. I think two of the coolest brands out there right now are Milk and Glossier. These are two millennial brands that are doing it right because it's embracing uniqueness. They've got my message down pat and I've been doing it for years. Those two brands are killing it because they're saying you don't need all of that. Like you do a couple little things and that's who you are and that's what's spectacular. So I really like those brands. I think that what's happening with a lot of the bigger brands like the CoverGirls, they're following the trends and they're missing the mark. I think you're going to see a decline in big drugstore brands in terms of that and the indie brands are going to take over. Is there anything that you want to get across that you haven't yet? I think that the most important thing is that you create your own destiny. And I think we're overwhelmed with so many options. You really have to find who you truly are, find your own voice, find your uniqueness and your individuality. And what I always say is don't give a shit what other people think. Do what's good for you. And when you find somebody that you can relate to, I always say find your tribe hold on to them tight, whether it's a brand, whether it's a movement, whether it's a charity, whether it's friends, grow that. I think it's really, really key, very important. In terms of my beauty message, it really is about polishing and not painting your own beauty and celebrating your uniqueness. You have to, you got one life to live. Let's have a good time. Let's celebrate who we are, this size, this age, this state in our life, because really we got one time on this planet. So it's up to you. So what I really, really hope for, I think a lot of women that are listening to this is, you know what, enough with the negativity, retrain yourself into a positive state of mind. It's okay to have a bad day, one, but then pull yourself up and get it going. That's the most important thing. I love it. Well, there is no better advice and you are certainly living your dream. You have found your tribe and it seems like you are celebrating every day. In fact, when we met, you were drinking rosé. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, here's the other thing too, is everything ends. When I was on One Not To Wear, that ended. There was a time in my life that I was doing fashion and it ended. There was a time that I had a brand and it ended, but that doesn't mean it's over. You just reinvent and you keep going and you blossom into another direction so you can't feel down and bad if things don't work out there's always a higher purpose and a reason for that and when you go down the next path you look back and go aha that's why that happened so you just have to keep going and realize that things change and move and transform and that's part of life and you just have to be adaptable you adapt or die (laughs) 
Period. Wow. (laughs) That's intense. And you've adapted. Are you comfortable with change? And speaking of change, what's next on the docket for you? I know you were talking about your skincare line, but do you know what the future holds or is that to be determined? I find that I'm only comfortable being uncomfortable in, in challenges and risks. I am not You're a merry. I'm not, I'm not a merry-go-round person. I'm a roller coaster person, and even though that might freak me out sometimes and stress me out, and I might be like, "Oh my god," it's the way that I am. I mean, from travel and adventure to the way I live my life to the way that I create brands. So, listen, I'm trying really hard to create a brand for the people from my heart that means a lot. So it's taking a lot longer than I thought. That is what's next on my agenda. And then getting that message across. Then I want to branch into skincare and then I want to do lifestyle. I just want to keep going. And one of the other things that I've been doing is I got into breathwork class, which I think is huge. A girlfriend of mine who I've known forever, who's a stylist, introduced me to it. It's a a type of breathing meditation. Because I'm one of those people, my mind's going too much. So I can't be calm and meditative and silent so this is a way to breathe through meditation and it really helps me relax get the messages that I need and kind of see what I need to do for myself to to be a better person so I highly recommend anybody look into breath work it's wonderful that's so inspiring all of it thank you so much thank you this was an incredible interview I learned so so much I love your spirit I love who you you are and it it just it comes across in everything you do and I look forward to following your journey as you continue on the roller coaster and celebrate every moment to its fullest thank you you're awesome you're awesome this is Jessica Lips thank you for listening we'll see you next time